Happy Friday, guys, and welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Dubs. I'm your host, Bill T. Well, if you've been following my adventure on Instagram this week, you'll know that I went to Colorado Springs, flew out there to pick up this uh, Gia TC. It's a Brazilian Karma Gia, and decided I was going to pick it up with a no prep road trip and bring that dude back to Vegas. So it was an eventful couple days, drove out there. I made it to uh, from Colorado Springs. I made it about 22 miles out of there, and she gave up the ghost, put it on a flatbed, towed it over to Sam Coots over at New Vintage, and spent a day with him today going through the whole thing. Uh, got the carbs working, new plugs, points, adjusted the valves, new axle boots, new wheel seals, all the stuff to get it prepped, bled the brakes, all this stuff to get it ready to go. And unfortunately, leaving out of there, there's a couple killer hills and, uh, you know, even keeping it at 40 miles an hour, it just uh, devastated. The motor gave up the ghost and lost a rod at the top of Evergreen. So that's where I'm at right now at a hotel in Evergreen, Colorado. But hey, we're moving forward and we got a positive attitude. So it is what it is. You know, there was an old Brazilian motor and if it had made it, it'd have been a miracle. But listen, we had a good intentions and rent a car, tow bar that bad dog back. And uh, that's the plan for now. So life goes on. Good things are happening. And I could have been at work. It could have been worse. Right. So here I am getting ready to deliver another podcast to you guys. And this week's podcast was a podcast I've been looking to get for a while. If you know, if you've been watching the drag racing scene for any amount of time, uh, you're familiar with the Bergs or whether it was the Volks group or uh, any of the races before that, you'll know the name John Sugar. John Sugar is a one of the most consistent drag racers that's out on the scene, and he likes to run sportsman class. Uh, he's got a really fast car, wheels up, uh, you know, 2332 motor. I've met him at a few tracks, and heck of a guy, super consistent, really good at what he does. And finally got to sit him down and talk to him about his blue car, which is a really interesting story as, as to how long he's owned that car and how long he's been campaigning that car. So he's got several championship awards, uh, five-time champion in uh, some of the PRA stuff, and the, the, the list goes on. So I'm excited to bring this podcast to you. But before we get into the podcast, let's make sure that we su- support our sponsors, support Ross Wolf, uh, high-quality aftermarket parts manufactured by enthusiasts for enthusiasts. So go check them out at rosswolf.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the DeVita Trends magazine, a magazine for the people and by the people. Not the same old stuff, new stuff all the time, lots of how-tos and water pumper cars as well. So lots of cool stuff to check out. VW Trends, go, sub- to go subscribe today at vwtrends.com. Now, I wanted to give a special thanks to my boy Sam Coots at New Vintage. He was he did he went above and beyond. Conrad over there, Bill, all the guys over there really just uh, pitched in. Were super solid, helped out, man. Just made uh, made this whole experience super cool, man. And, and we wrapped up the day, kind of watered up a whole day on it, and drove out of there with uh, a lot more power in that Type Thirty Four or that Type whatever the Gia TC. And she was running pretty good. I ended up getting some gas burners on the way. Uh, but hope is not all lost. So we'll slap a motor in that dude and get her back on the road. She's a cool-looking rig, and we'll get uh, end up doing a, a nice ragtop in that thing and really churching it up. So I'm looking forward to that. But um, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for anybody to do work on your Volkswagen, from uh, tune-ups to restorations to anything in between, Sam can help you. So go check out New Vintage in Aurora, Colorado. Look them up. New Vintage. They are the shop to go to if you're in the greater Denver area. So I can't thank those guys enough. And they're solid VW people to the core, man. So, And that's what makes this hobby so great are those people. And I had a chance to sit down with Sam. So that podcast will probably come out next week. And I'm excited. I mean, listen, I've been excited for the whole thing. Luckily, I've got my partner. My wife is just solid as a rock. She's got good spirits. It is what it is. We just roll with the punches. So I'm a little down tonight because I was really hoping to get some mileage out of that thing. But, you know, when I saw these grades were going up, it was kind of, a, you know, mission impossible. So what can you do? But other than that, life goes on. And I'm excited for this week's podcast. So John Sugar, if you know him, you love him. You've seen him. Uh, he's one of the nicest guys you can meet at the track. Super helpful. Always willing to give some advice. And just a, a rock-solid dude from, from way back. Mr. Consistent. And this week's podcast, 
Drag Racer, John Sugar, Mr. Consistent. Without any further ado, let's get into it this week on Let's Talk Dubs. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen. Okay, everybody. So today I'm up here at the Volks Group, Medford, Oregon, for their drag racing event that they have here. As always, when I come up here, I pin down some of these guys that we've got to get their history down. And today we're sitting with John Sugar, and he is, you're, you're familiar with this car because you've seen it at just about every drag racing event that there is. This guy's all over like a fungus. He's everywhere. He is a PRA Super Gas five-time champ a Triple Crown Pro Eliminator three-time champ, and a BRS Super Combo champion. John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, I, now we've been talking at the last couple times yeah. I've seen the races, and I, I finally got, got you to sit down. And the way that we always start the podcast is the same. What's your VW story, and how did you get into Volkswagens? Well, if I go back, you know, my father, when I was a kid, probably around six years old, we were living in Germany. My father was stationed there, and uh, he had bought a 66 Carmen Ghia. And then we moved to the States uh, a few years later, brought it with him. And then uh, right when I was around 10 years old, he was driving it, and, it, you know, something happened. It broke down, and so he traded it in for a 70 Beetle at Ogner Motors in Culver City. Really? Back in 1970. And uh, I was too young to know sure. any of this. And uh, and he wasn't mechanically inclined, so he had no idea what happened. And so he had that 70 Beetle. Uh, a few years later, I turned 16. Uh, and so I ended up with that 70 Beetle as my first car. Wow. And so I drove that for a little bit and decided, oh, I'll put a little extra stuff in the motor and enhanced it a little bit. And so this is this is um, early 70s when you're doing yeah, this? Yeah, this is 1976, 77. And so the VW thing is still pretty hot. It's fairly it's, it's fairly new, auto houses around, all that oh, stuff's oh, going yeah. on. Johnny and, Speed and Chrome, small car specialties, yep. And, and at this time, you're in Southern California at this time, so yep. you're kind of in the hotbed of all things cool in Volkswagen. But ironically, I really wasn't close to any of that. You know, it was just really me and a car and an interest in a car and a Volkswagen at that time. So you didn't and, have uh, like magazines or anything like that that really got no, you fired up about the no, scene? No, Interesting. Nope. And uh, You just so liked then, the car that much. Yeah. And then, you know, I've been hearing about, you know, small car and Jeanberg Enterprises and stuff. You know, next thing I'm over at Jeanberg's, you know, buying some 48 IDAs and, you know, crankshaft over, so over time. So and, you're there in the 70s buying stuff from Jeanberg. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So, <laughs> no, so. no, it's just fun stuff going on up here. <laughs> yeah. So you first meet the Berg family because you've got a pretty close relationship with the Bergs. Yes. You first meet Gene in mm -hmm. the in the in the 70s. Yep. And what's your impression when you meet him? Because Gene was kind of a one way. Oh, I was, you know, very yeah. impressed. And yep. And, you know, I wanted to I had learned just even in the early years about quality product right right what's and, your first uh, experience where you bought something that was i bought a i forget what kind of crank it was claus buggy or something like that mm -hmm. you know and i broke it pretty quick oh yeah know? and so then i was over at the bird shop you know and i thought okay give me a 78 welded crank and so i bought a 78 welded crank and had stock rods and put it together and things held together yeah you know and uh, so so you learned early on about quality from meeting Gene and having experiences in the past. Yes. What was, so your relationship originally with the Bergs was just kind of a customer relationship or, or was Gene the kind of guy that once you became, like once you were willing to pay the money for his parts that, that he was proud of because he put a lot of time, effort, and energy mm -hmm. in, into designing and engineering those parts, was it kind of a thing where like you're, you know, he, he was offering help or was it? Well, yeah, certainly the knowledge that he has, you know, and was willing to share was yeah. very, very helpful, you know. And then, you know, I got to know uh, Clyde, you know, and mm -hmm. 
you know, at some point in time, you know, I was getting to a point where I, you know, after work, I'd go over to the shop, you know, and just try to, you know, hang out a little bit, you know, pick up some more tidbits, learn. And we got to the point, you know, Clyde and I and uh, Harold Carter and Mike Demkowski, we would go on golf Thursday nights. Oh, really? And we go out every Thursday night, go down to David L. Baker down Mile Square Park in Orange County, and we'd be golfing every Thursday night. Yeah. You know, and uh, there th- was some great times there, you know. And so you start doing some hypo stuff to your car. Now, you've really been into the uh, kind of more of the bracket racing and sportsman type racing for the past so many years. But when did you decide, like, when was your first time on a track? Well, if we take a step back, you sure. know, I, I had the 70 Beetle. I built a you know a small motor with uh, some 42 DCNFs, mm-hmm. and at around my senior year of high school, I had an interest in vans as well. Yeah. And I was working two jobs, and I saved up some money, and I bought a '74 Chevy van for a couple of grand, yeah, and brought it home, and I was paying for it, and I was paying for the insurance for both cars. But my dad says, hey, you know, you're in high school, you know, you can't have two cars, you know, you need to have one, one's got to go. So, sadly, you know, I, I pulled the motor out of the 70 bug, I put the stalker back in it, and I sold it to somebody up in West Covina. Wow, so you sold it? Back so you, in 79 or something. So you, you know? picked the Chevy because it was kind of the cooler thing for you at the time. Yeah. You're in high school, all your buddies all can hang out in the van. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. We're all going to get yeah. into this. Did you yeah. have the mushroom window or the heart-shaped window in the back? It was a teardrop. It was <laughs> like a... It was like a <laughs> the kidney yeah. bean. Yeah, and it uh, had, you know, the chrome side pipes, the white flares, the shorty, A shorty van? Shorty van, half-ton shorty van. And ironically, those things are worth a lot of money now. I still but. have it. You still have that van? I still have that van. It's sitting up on jack stands, covered. I still have that van. I always been saying for years I want to restore it. And, you know, just time, time and money. You yeah. Know? And, uh, but yeah, we used to cruise Whittier Boulevard in it, really? everything. And so years went by, a few years went by, and my brother yeah. had an interest in buying a Volkswagen. So he bought the car I actually raced today. Oh, you bought your 1966? It, it was a Bone Street car yeah you know tan beige you know color and so he bought that and i had my motor sitting in the garage for years so and you've so got a motor How, what's the displacement motor like a, it's like a, a 78 19, by 88 so it's so 1900 yeah. cc motor and it's all 42 DCNFs. 42 dcnfs i like yeah. your recipe yeah I like where you're going with so this. he's like okay so i put it in his car and so it's he a drove nice it. brother yeah what a nice know? brother well i get this so he's driving it and I don't know how many months or so later, he was coming back from a party one night and coming down the street. And I guess he overrevved it or something and parked it down the street and walked home. Oh, wow. And he says, hey, something happened to the motor. You got to come check it out. So I go and I walk over there and pull up the deck lid. And sure enough, half the rod's sitting over by the carburetor. Oh, and, wow. Uh, you know, the case is windows, so he pitched a rod out of it. And so I'm like, okay. So I rebuilt the motor, put it all back together for him, and so he you drove built, it for so, a while. So the philosophy of Gene telling you, because in his book he says no one cares more about your engine than you, so Correct. you should build your engine. Correct. And kind of you took that philosophy to heart, and then building one VW motor for you to build another one is no big deal? No, not at all. Really? Not at all. You know, and I had a neighbor across the street, an older gentleman, kind of like a second father to me, mm-hmm. who I really hung out with a lot at a young age and learned how to do a lot of repairs on a lot of other things. Oh, really? You know, yeah. he taught me a lot and taught me how to work on engines as well. I mean, it's pretty impressive. So, Your brother blows up the motor, so, and you just take it. And, I mean, yeah. Because back in, the, put it together. in that era, people were so foreign with Volkswagens. It's like they'd blow it up, and then it would just get sold because nobody knew how to work on it. It's a foreign yeah. car, all this yeah. stuff. So yeah. The, the experience of building your motor was not a challenge. So now, did, no. now did, when your brother throws a rod, does he want anything to do with the car anymore, or he's kind of over well, it? Well, he drove it for a while. He drove it for another year or two. Uh, and then he says, hey, you know what? Hey, I, I want to buy another car. I've kind of lost interest. You know, he says, you know, you you want the car you know i said sure i'll buy it off you so so what do you buy what do you buy the car for him for i don't even remember to be honest yeah a few hundred bucks it it wasn't much i can tell you that it wasn't much (laughs) and so i I bought the car and uh 
you know, one thing led to another. You know, I ended up. So now that you get the, the car back with, with IDAs, because you're living the van life, right? Yeah. And then after you start parting your hair to the side instead of in the middle, <laughs> and you're not driving the van anymore, you buy the bug back. Does that spark you? Like, oh, I might go check out some bug ins and some this, or does it sit for a while? Or what's the? How, and no. How, I, it, um, I mean, were you always a little bit I, in the scene? I just scene? drove it on the street, you know. And again, I really wasn't in the scene, so to speak. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't even go to OCIR. Oh really? No, no. I've never even raced at OCIR. Really? And you were sadly you were old enough and around during the time. Oh, absolutely. But you I just were like it wasn't your thing. Working two jobs, college, you know, and just yeah. driving that car, and you know, I, and that's all I was doing. So version know? 1.0 of that car, it's got the motor in it, the yep. the 1900, and then you've got what do you got on it for wheels? Porsche alloys were on it. Oh really? Yep. So you already Porsche alloys on it. You did a, it had a selected drop, yep. all that stuff. Yep. yep. Wow. So that car really, I mean, for as long as you've had it, you've really gone through the evolution of the hobby with just that car. Yeah. So now the front suspension, I'm I'm assuming it's not a selected drop anymore on there. Or you still run the it's just the uh, Avis adjusters. So it's got the Avis adjusters. Yep. And then drop spindles, or you got a few leaf springs out of it. So it's still um, a little bit old school spin. on that. It's in, it's all stock from there. Or drum no brakes, no, drum brakes, no drop spindles. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah. And yeah, so it's all stock. You when do you start kind of coming out and start like what triggers you to start getting into the sportsman racing and well, some stuff like was, that? Well, it was it was really you know spending a lot of time with Clyde. So you're still, at even course, though, even oh yeah, through the '80s. Even though you're not super into VWs, you're still hanging out with Clyde. Yep, he's your absolutely. buddy, and yep. you guys are kind of doing whatever. Yep. And he's like, "Hey, why don't you get that old ratty bug out and let's do something with it?" Yeah. I mean, well, you know, and one thing led to another with cylinder heads and stuff, you know, and then the IDAs went on it, and uh, I took it out. I really, honestly, I want to say the first time out was Palmdale. 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 When's the last time they raced in Palmdale? Uh, it's been a long. Was time. that like a PR? Was been that a, a that was a PRA event? No, no, it was a uh, race for gold, jeans stuff. Oh, race for gold. Yeah, yeah, back in the uh, late. So that's late eighties. Bracket stuff. Yeah, late eighties, mid late eighties. Huh. Yeah. So we were up there. We actually, a lot of times, you know, Clyde and I and Mike Demkowski, we go up there and rent the track, and test, and. Uh, but really, the first race that's the most memorable, I think, was you know just learning how to tune the car. Uh -huh. They were teaching me how to tune the car, jet it for the different conditions. And then I remember I got up against Lloyd Moser. Mm -hmm. And I won that race. Really? And I thought I had won a championship at that point. <laughs> you know, I was just I was just like that it just sunk with me. You remember you know? what you ran at the time? I wanna say high twelves. Wow. With Probably, a I think with a nineteen hundred CC motor? Yeah. High compression. Yeah. Like yeah. a motor built for racing. Yeah. Because that's the interesting thing. Cause like me not knowing Gene and just reading his books, it's like mm -hmm. in his books, it's all about longevity, living, yep. and all that stuff. But then maybe his philosophy is a little, diff a little different when you're talking about drag racing. It's kind of. Oh, it's still longevity and stuff, you know, and keeping it together. Right. I mean, the, par the, the, parts, yeah. the parts he builds are, awfully, uh, uh, are obviously built for quality, but. Mm -hmm. When you're out there racing with those guys, it's okay. How do we get this motor punch this thing out as much as it'll do? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, 12 seconds with a 1900 cc motor, that's moving, and that's a close yeah. close ratio trans or. Yeah. So yeah, this that is, one is a Type One box. So this is all ratio. quarter mile. So you beat Lloyd Mosier, and you're on top of the world. You're yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. where's yeah. my crown? Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm the yeah. guy crowning exactly. now. Exactly. And so that is that what kind of inspires you? Like, I really want to kind of be. Well, I mean, that doing whole this. time period right there. That right there, you know, at that track and spending that time, that kind of really got me hooked into the racing aspects yeah. of it. You know, before then, it was just kind of driving around the street and just kind of feeling how nice it is when you lay into the throttle and right. lays you back, you know. Yeah. So so you, so Palmdale's the kind of the thing, and then after that, I mean, obviously the, the and you are probably have been through all, a bunch of it, right? PRA, BRS, yep. I mean, all race for the, was it race, go, race for the race gold, for the gold yeah. like all those racing series, and from your perspective, especially you being a sportsman guy, wanting to race for the love of racing, right? Mm -hmm. And doing your own personal best, because we were talking last night yeah. about a little bit of the drama when you get in the different classes and stuff, yeah. and, and you want to go out there and consistently, 
it's like a personal challenge for you to be consistent with your car, dial in your number and hit that number and, and repeat it, you know, um, they've tried so many things in the past to get all these different racing series going and try to ma- and they tried to make them more um, more for kind of like the average guy to be able mm-hmm. to bring your daily driver get right. involved do some racing what do you think in all the years that you've been seeing racing what to you was there anything that, out there that like oh that seems like a cool class that I'd like to be in or I'd like to follow that because they had performance heads they had performance you know they had I think they had a special head racing class at one time and then they had the Cadrone class and then the right. Super 1600 yeah. class and yeah. all these things what do you think because that's the really the challenge of drag racing right they, they try so much to get everybody involved so that there's a big turnout lots of cars right. and more fun what do you think in your history of seeing all this stuff has been the, the most the, the best class or the most well, enjoyable? I, th- I think, you know, really the PRA during the heydays. Yeah. You know, uh, and what really struck my interest was the 1190 index because my car was pretty much like right there at that point in time. Right. And so what made that class really fun was all of the participants. You know, what happened over the first few years, you know, it wasn't, it was okay. But then you had a lot of the uh, Ren Kafer Cup class, and a lot of those guys jumped and started getting into the, you know, like the Super Combo class. You yeah. know, Mike Lawless, Troy Palmer, you know, Scott Bach, and, yeah. you know, names and stuff. And so in the early years, it was fun because you were trying to qualify for a 16-car field. Yeah. And you got some races where, you know, there's 20-plus cars trying to qualify for that field. And you're and we, and we everybody's... You know, uh, uh, you know, and, hundreds and, of a seconds apart. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's just close, tight competition there, and that and makes it the it most was, fun. And did yeah. you feel like like eleven ninety index is racing is not affordable? It's not. I mean, it's on average, but for the for the most part, that class was fairly affordable. Like the guys were fairly oh, consistent running. Yeah, because but could, it, but it you know to me that class is you know in a way you know it's bracket Mm -hmm. but it's not because somebody's picking your time if you run like pro eliminator you're doing brackets you know you could adjust your time based on conditions and everything else you run these index classes you don't have a choice you still got to find a way to run that number depending upon the conditions whether that's headwind tailwind heat humidity you know whatever it might be track conditions you name it and so you you have to kind of be married to your car, right? You and know, know in a all sense, the... and and understand your car as well as you know your driving. You got to understand and feel it. And for and for people that so, are big into drag racing, when you say like an eleven ninety index, the goal is to run eleven ninety nine zero eleven point nine zero zero quicker than right. So the battle is how close can you get yep. without that? And so if all you guys are showing up and is it consistency or the closest number that wins that class? It's the closest number that wins well, that class. Well, it's a, it's the closest number that wins the class. Period. Well, yeah, you know, you just have to be. You still have to be better than the other no, no, guy. No. Reaction time and ET, and you know, but a lot of these guys, you know, I mean, you know, you'd run into situations where you know, I, I remember back. I think it was two thousand five. I don't remember exactly what year, but. I remember going to the finals against uh, uh, Alan Weiss yeah. in Vegas. And I told Doug, I said, you know, we're probably going to see a double breakout here. Oh, both of you guys are good. Yeah, both because both of you guys are so both, close to 1190. We both, we both kind of want the strike. We're right there. We, you know, we can run the number. They all can run the number, you know. And so that's, that's, the, that's the game, you know. And so you got reaction time factoring in and stuff. And sure enough, we both broke out. But really? I broke out by less. Yeah, you know, I was fortunate, you know, and that's how close it is. That's and insane. all those guys, they're tough. And a know? lot of those guys went on to run fast, way faster classes. Um, well, at least Lawless yeah, did. Yeah, Mike Lawless did. Yep. Yeah. Turbo he, on it and stuff, and, and yep, stepped it up. And it's what's a interesting, car. what's interesting with him is he was running that class, and his car, he was already outgunned in the beginning because his car was heavier than everybody else, right? I mean, driving that Gia. Oh yeah. That's yeah. a that's a yeah. heavy car. That yeah, was a heavy car. And he showed up and he was committed like I'm running this car and I'm going to run with yeah. you guys. So he knew yeah. he had the, the I tell you all those guys were tough. Yeah. 
you know, and you got some of the folks out of Colorado and stuff, Randy Bowen, Eric Matson, uh, Randy Caldwell when you ran local there. Um, Greg Decker came out of Texas. He was tough. He'd won a championship a year or so. Yeah. You know, it, it's tough. And when you're running a car like that's tuned that well, what, how much work is it from when you're running at, where would you guys run at Fontana and then you would run in Vegas? Well, a lot of the PRA was uh, Phoenix, right? Uh, Denver, two sacks. Uh, a couple of years, I think we have to ran Seattle. Um, and then there was a Vegas too. There was a Vegas. Yep, the old Vegas track, and then also the new one. So the difference between running in Washington, Colorado, and Vegas and Phoenix yep. is substantial. I mean, like, are you making you doing jet changes and all that oh, stuff yeah. for elevation? Yeah, yeah. And for like Denver, they would do a correction on the index. You know, so instead so of 1190, you know, I can't remember. I think it was like 1230 or 1250. I honestly can't remember. Because of how the elevation because of the, the track. altitude and the impact it has on the power out of your car. You know, it's like 20, 25 percent loss. And you feel wise. it when you're up. Oh, oh absolutely. you got a rhythm going when you're shifting. You get up to Denver and you got to pause yourself. To really? shift. Oh yeah, it's that noticeable. Because you got to really tremendous. wring its neck in Denver to get you, the same time. You got to well, not so much that you just got to wait it out. It takes the car longer to get through the gear, you know. Unless of course you change gearing, which we didn't do. But yeah, you know, you just got to wait it out, you know. But you lean it out. You can put some more timing in it, and uh, you know, just was everybody at that time. What were the limitations? Of 1190 index class, like it was a displacement heads, or it was wide no, open, just no. natural. No, I think the only thing you just couldn't run a uh, like a dragster, but you could come with whatever you want—a turbo, nitrous. It didn't oh, matter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. I, I always thought 1190 index was like it was uh, no, uh, no. naturally aspirated. No. Oh, wow. Nope. So you could do so. That would make it fun then. Like if a guy's got a, a boosted mm -hmm. car, that's a real sleeper mm -hmm. move because you leave him at the light mm -hmm. and then he reels you at the back end yeah. of the eighth or yeah. the back end of the quarter because now most everything's running eighth mile, right? Yeah, now. Yeah. It's a different Sadly, world. But... And running an eighth mile is a completely different world than a quarter mile, right? Because yeah. you could have a car that would destroy you. You could have a 10-second car get beat by an 11-second car in the eighth mile yeah. all day. Yeah, but if, throughout the PRA years, I think everything there was quarter mile. So uh, I don't remember any instance where we were eighth. So what was your 1190 index setup? What was your motor, trans, carbs, cam? What was the setup, or is it secret? Uh, well, the same motor that I've been running for years. The you one know, that's in the car now? No. no. Okay. 78 by 94. Okay. FK89, Berg 1-4 Rockers, um, and, you know, 48 IDAs and Clyde's uh, welded heads. And on a, a motor like that for 1190 index class, how many passes do you get out of that motor before you do a teardown? Uh, well, with my motor, because I had a VW journal, uh, I was always pulling it down every couple of races to check rod bearings because I was so hard on that motor. And but, so when you say VW journal, that means you're using a VW connecting rod. Yep. And well, so, actually, I'm using a Carrillo rod, but VW uh, journal. Yep. So VW journal means the diameter of the journal. Yeah. And then when you're going like when they do to Chevy, Chevy's the upgrade to Chevy, yeah, Chevy rod journal. Buick, yeah. Is it a smaller diameter, thicker rod end, or yeah, it's a wider, a wider bearing too? I think. Oh, is it bit. so they actually yeah. widen the widen the surface so you get a little and more and you can get a better quality bearing too. Because that's kind of really the killer, right? Is the quality of the parts yeah. now or what? May, I mean, we yeah. finally got where we have us heavy duty aluminum cases, but now our bearings are trash, right? Yeah. So it's yeah. like. Yeah, trying it, to find a good set of me. You know, bearings. I see guys like Johnny over here with his car, and it's all, you know, super expensive crankshaft, super expensive engine case, and he runs the, you know, the he was telling me he runs the steel back Chevy bearings for rod yep. bearings, stuff like that, because he's running an incredible amount of compression and a yep. lot of boost, and he's getting a lot of passes because he's using nothing close to stock on the bottom end. Yeah. And and that's the, the disappointing part, right? With how many Volkswagen engines are built these days, maybe it's the fact that we're squeezing so much power out of a rod bearing that was designed for 40 horsepower. Well, yeah, you, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and, and you know, my motor was small. My car was heavy. And what displacement is that? A 78 by 94? Like 20? 2017 or something like that. Okay. Yeah, and I... You know, just running the hell out of it. And in the early days, I didn't have like MSD ignition, and I had like the Stinger S4 set up. Really? In it. So there's no rev limiter, 
And so it's all so, you on the so light. So in the early days, I had stainless valves in it, you know, with, with uh, you know, Chevy K800 springs. And the rev limiter was my foot on the floor and however far the motor would go, you know. And so, you know, and then I put tie valves in it and the same thing, you know, still no rev limiter at that time on the floor. And you can definitely tell a tone difference when you're leaving the line in, with the motor with the tie valves versus stainless. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it really wanted to sing, you know. And then I finally eventually went and bought an MSD with two-step, and and that's a game know. like a two-step is a game changer for yeah. drag yeah, it racing. Yeah, control things, you know. But if you look at it, you know, I was beating the hell out of that motor, you know. And, and so you run that motor, that displacement for how long? Oh, through the '90s, the 2000s, and early, you know. 2010, 2011, and all the teardowns. Even, even actually, just I ran it uh, uh, in uh, the last uh, Phoenix Bugarama here in April. Really? Yeah, because my new motor, the bigger motor, was too much to run the 1190 index. So you ran that still that 2075. 20, yep, 2017. Yep. 2017, you ran that motor again, 1190 index yes. down there. Yep, in Phoenix. Because they were running quarter mile. Yes. Yep. You prefer quarter mile over eighth? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm getting more used to the eighth and comfortable, you know, with it. But, yeah, I still kind of like the quarter mile. Yeah. I mean, it, you, you, f you figure, because really that's where all the hard work pays off the top end of that quarter mile, right? Yeah. I mean, the eighth makes it more challenging because you got less time to think. Yeah. You know, and you've got you to make decisions at the, at the stripe, you know, a lot quicker. Yeah, that's... Uh, you know, engage things. It comes quick. I mean... So for a guy like me, right, I'm coming out of, this is my, my bucket of bolts drag, mm -hmm. drag car in a box. I bought it like you see it. Right. What's your advice to a guy that's going to go racing for the first time? Like what, what, if you're with the knowledge you have looking back at what you did, what's, what are the shortest moves to make to have a consistent good car? Uh, I would do your homework and uh, not just try to piecemeal it together and get out there in the track. Yeah. Um, you know, cry once, right. so to speak. And, uh, you know, kind of the jeans philosophy, you know. Pay the, pay the, pay price. the price once, you know. And, uh, you know, I learned that early on, you know. And I always say, you know, have a plan. Stick within whatever you can budget and time. And go with the good quality. Mm -hmm. If you can't get it together right away, wait on it. You know, and just get it together and spend your time, do your homework, and, you know, and, and now, uh, as yeah. far as driving, what's been the biggest game changer in driving? Has it been the two steps have been the biggest game changer as far as like uh, launching consistently? Yeah, for like me, that? for me. Yeah. I mean, I still my car probably could use clutch management. In fact, a lot of people probably tell me that. You so know, but, explain to me clutch so, management. What, what are you talking about when you're saying clutch management? Well, my car right now only has a three-puck in it with a right, with the big motor, a 2,500-pound Kennedy oh, wow. in it. And it has no forgiveness. So when you it's know, on, When I it's drop on. it, it locks. There's no slip into the clutch, you know, or nothing. It's, it's pretty violent. Right. And so it would be far better and more predictable in some cases if you were to have something that would give you a little bit of a slip, you know. And that's like something like what Loomis makes out yeah, of Rev. Yeah, Loomis deal, or you can put, you know, like uh, one of those anti-shockers uh, uh, on there, you know, or, you know, something of that nature. I mean, that Washington anti-shocker that, that Berg sells, that, yeah. that actually makes a little bit of a difference. Yeah. That little you, tiny resistance at the very end. Yep, yep. or just something, you know, that would, you know, release and control the release of the clutch pedal, delay it just a little bit, slow it down. And your car still cable everything? Yep. Cable clutch, all yep. that stuff. Yep. So the two-step makes it more predictable for a launch anyway, yes. right? You can focus yeah. more on just, like, floorboarding it, and then... Yep. Now, are you a soft clutch guy, or you just sidestep the clutch and pop it? Sidestep it. And that's... Yeah. Now, how do you do your preload? E-brake. So you still do an e-brake preload? Yep. And so you roll up the light, you you get both lights yellow, and you've, you've, you've got the E-brake, and you just... One light yellow, and I'm pulling up on the E-brake and dragging so, it in. So that's your move. Like, you put a little bit of clutch engagement, and it pushes the car a little bit forward, yeah. and you just have that engaged like that, and then... Yeah, with the with some E-brake pressure. I'm taking notes. Yeah, I'm just, with some E-brake pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and you want to, you know, kind of load that box, too. Yeah. Of course, I have a bus box, so that helps, so... What... 
you like in the history of all the racing you really like the pra that particular uh season oh, that era that yeah. era with the guys cause without there a, a doubt a, a lot of guys out there racing have you seen because i you know i think the, the the move with everybody is trying to figure out how they can get more people racing to make it more fun mm -hmm. any ideas that you have that would make it more uh, get more people out there racing or sometimes I mean as, as much of a veteran as you are it might be sometimes gets irritating when people show up not ready to race and they get everybody on the track and it becomes kind of a, a circus a yeah. little bit it's challenging yeah you know, I think you know it, it really is challenging because you know, you've got a bunch of different dynamics in play right right you know having a card that stays together you know always runs good uh, you know, the money aspect, the travel, you know, I mean, you just look at Southern California, you know, what do we got left? Irwindale, right? Yeah, and it's, and, and it's like, and it's no supposed Fontana, to be. No Terminal Island. It's supposed to be the, the mecca of the VW world. And meanwhile, yeah, you're yeah. down to one track. Yeah. And Irwindale's it, right, anymore? I mean, Fo yeah. Fontana. Yeah, you got Verona down south, you know. Yeah, Fontana's track. done, right? Fontana's done for everything I know, it's done, you know. And so, you and know, Vegas it's, it's is and Vegas is outrageously expensive, expensive for that, any promoter for our yeah. industry to to really invest in. And I've even tried, you know, because I do a show in in Las Vegas, and I reached out to a buddy of mine who puts on um, uh, Hot Rod Association. I forget the name of his his thing off the slips my mind, the top of my brain right now, but he does a show at the Strip, and I said. Hey, what about how could we get in here and and bring a VW class and kind of do something like that? And he was just kind of like, "No, I don't think we'd want to have the VWs come over because we have a reputation in Vegas of oiling down the track." You know what I mean? Well, the and, same holds true in Famoso and Bakersfield. Yeah, and so yeah. and how's that gotten over the years with like the diapers and the catch things underneath the cars? Has that made a big difference? Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, yeah. keeping people from yeah. I mean, think some probably are like ah, you know, but. You know, honestly, it does help. Yeah. And for on these, you kind of need it. Yeah. You know, the motor's behind you. Yeah. You can't always see what's going on. There's always there's always something going on. Yeah. What is is your your blue card the only VW that you have? Yes. And you don't have any street cars or any of that stuff. You just put it in the trailer, bring it out, take it to the track, run right. run quarter eighth, and you yep. really look like that's your sweet spot. Yep. That's what you like that's right there. That's about all I have time for, and I honestly really don't have time for that, but we make time. So now you're up here at the Volks Group thing, which was uh, formerly connected with um, Fast Four Cartel, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and what these guys up here in this area, in this region have been doing, because there's, I, you know, there's a lot of tracks up here up north. Yep. It's quite a distance away. You know, yes. I mean, we, we were... 13 hours plus to get here because we had a couple stops right but uh i mean the weather's not bad the tracks the, i would assume this track from what i can tell would be fairly affordable to rent this track mm -hmm. and, and kind yep. of make things happen um is that the main reason that they're doing it up here because a lot of the guys that are up here from southern california that like and i want to this is me talking yeah. from the standpoint of not really a racer guy right but it seems to me like the really committed race guys are here because they want they 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 love to race. It's not about the bragging rights. It's not yeah. about they love to race. And if there's a chance and a place to race, they're going to race. Well, yes, and and the added features and benefits of being at an event like this in Medford and or Reading or Samoa, you know, the old cartel, is you know the experience, the Tom Kenny experience. Oh here, yeah, you know, and and just the the relaxed atmosphere, the ability to come in, set up, be able, you know. And Jamie and I were, my wife, were we were talking about this last night. You know, I don't recall talking to so many people during an event as we have here just yesterday. Yeah, you know, and so you get the ability to have, you know, engage with people and make friendships and, and yeah, you know, well yeah, or even just you know people that you've known that you. You know, if you come in for a race for, you know, one day, you know, you come in, you set up, you race, you tear down, you leave, you know. Right. You have no time to really socialize and spend time with, with people we consider family. Yeah, I think and, that's, that, that's uh, a this, key component this, to this. This brings that, without a doubt. Um, this is really, really nice because you got multiple days. And I think that I think that's probably something that's pretty important because as I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking – you know, when you're at a show, it's like, okay, everything is like from eight to three and you're done yeah. and that's it. And yeah. it's over and go home and, and, and it seems like, cause, 
you know, the ones I have the most experience with, obviously, are the Vegas Buggeramas. And it's mm-hmm. for uh, for me being a local in Vegas, it's like, oh, man, it's all the way at the track. There's no shade out there. Yeah. It's hot. <laughs> it's October and right. the, the pavement's radiating heat. Right. And then you get out there and it's so far away. The show cars from mm-hmm. the track is so far away. They're, it's like, I mean, literally, you run to the races to watch races three and four times. And it's just like, oh, yeah. my gosh. And the, the bummer for me is that we'd go there to watch it. And it's like. All right, cool. These guys are lined up. What happened? Oh, that guy oiled down the track. All right, well, we're going to wait right, 30 right. minutes. And it's so the oil down the track has been a huge thing from my standpoint of, of looking at, like, how do you get where you can make it more enjoyable from a spectator standpoint yep. as well? Because you need you need the spectators as much as you need the racers. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I agree with you. This is the second event, I've, and I've never – driven this far gone this far for drag racing ever because i'm not a ra- i'm it's not a tough. racer it's tough. it's a commitment but it's like you said it's such a cool experience up here it's so laid back i mean even today it's kind of the car shows going on today racing won't start until the afternoon mm-hmm. and usually when the racing's going on it's just everybody's just intense lined up race right. race go yeah yep. so i think uh I, I enjoy coming here. I wish it were a little bit closer. It, I do too. It, it's, <laughs> but I understand why it's not. Yeah, it's and the money. Yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 it's just you know there's so much available land, and you know it's almost like you need racers to be buying land to put little drag strips together that this stuff yeah. can happen because there used to be little drag strips peppered throughout sure. the West Coast and slowly but surely. And now my understanding is Sacramento is going to be... Sacramento's going. Vandermeer and Colorado's going. They had the last Phoenix bug around. I don't know if something happened with that track or they're yeah. just not doing the race anymore. Well, their development's coming in and approaching. That's, you know, and that's really the story for most of these tracks that are leaving. You know, it, it, the money's too good for the land and developers and coming in and taking over. And, you know, uh, yeah, I hear that, you know, the Vandermeers are actually looking for another location. Oh, really? Yep. I heard rumor Castle Rock. I I don't know. So they uh, they sold. So Vandermeer in Denver, that's the Denver track, right? Yeah, that's yeah. sold. That's a beautiful track. Beautiful track. And it's not, it's no longer. After this year, it's gone. Jeez Louise. And it's sad because it's it's really a beautiful track. And they are really great people that, that own and run that, the Vandermeers. Yeah, but like you said, you know, we've been doing something 30, 40 years, and now it comes yeah. time to retire, and you're looking like, well, I can sell all this stuff. and. Well, it's a- not that. They're being pushed out. You know, there's condos and townhomes oh, yeah. and, and stuff people that start are being complaining developed around and- there, from what I'm told. And, yeah, you know, and then you get the noise complaints and everything else. And, yeah, it just... You know, it's frustrating. Yeah, I, I wish I could get something. Uh, I wish I could get something going in Vegas. You know, and that's why, you know, Johnny, who here we're, we're, we're with, mm-hmm. you know, he does a lot of the cash days with street yep. racing and stuff like that. Yep. And he, like, you know, he does it because he loves racing, and so he's out here doing, you know, going to all these different races, doing all these different things, and uh, and this is his first time, like his first time at a track. Yeah. This is his first yeah, time I know. I know. Tree. Running off a tree. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I saw like, that. It's gonna be, yeah. it's gonna be pretty, uh, pretty interesting to see him run tonight. I know he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's excited to be here. And I, exp- I explained him last time when I came to the last event, when we were up in Eureka, and I said, you know, it's just a real, kind of cool, laid back thing here with yeah. what Tom Kenny kind of puts together and all these guys. And it's just a, yep. it's just a, it's just a real fun. It's a fun experience, that's for sure. Yeah. So. With your car, now you said you put a big motor in it. What's the yeah. big motor setup you have now? It's an 8694. Why did you make a big motor change? Well, I've been wanting to go big motor for quite a few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I just couldn't really afford to go and do all the parts and everything. And, you know, I had a lot of help. I, I actually, if I back up a little bit, I, I sat out from racing for about five, six years uh, while my kids were in high school and my son was doing two sports. I was on a couple of big projects at work, and there's just, it was, it was more work to try to race than yeah. it, than enjoyment yeah. by far, and so occasionally I'd go to a local race, you know, and John Schwears uh, would always come up to me and say, "Hey, you know, we need you back out here. What do you need? Let me know, you know," and uh, so finally, you know, he and I got together, and you know, with his help, I've been able to kind of gather some things for my, for this big motor. And I had a short block together covered in a bag sitting in my garage for several years. Really? I didn't have the time to finish it. I just didn't have the time. And, uh, so finally, 
this last holidays, I usually take two weeks off for Christmas and New Year's. I spent the entire two weeks at the shop, 10 hours a day, every day, working on that motor. Really? Machining, fitting, putting together, taking apart, machining, fitting, putting together, taking apart, you name it. Because you're, I to mean. To put it together. You come across as a pretty particular to, guy. Yep. To make sure it's right <laughs> as best we can the first time. And you know, because there's so much money and so much time involved to come out to an event. And just, I don't want to sit here and just lay an egg or break something. Right. You know, so, you know, again, it's that doing it right the first time, making that sacrifice to do it right so that you get results that you would expect or you would hope. And the new motor is what's besides boring stroke what's different than the last motor uh nothing so same case same type of no engine well case? i I've, I've got the, the aluminum, aluminum case yep, yep. so the other motor your downs help me get that case you, your first motor is a magnesium case yeah have you ever had line bore or is it still standard standard no it's standard standard so you've torn it down enough and kept an eye on it to where yeah. you haven't yeah. wobbled it out yeah no and how many passes do you think you have on your first oh, motor God. hundreds uh, more than that really yeah, quite a, yeah i mean you think about it all of the years from the 80 late 80s 90s yeah. 2000s and you've never you know yeah, that's pretty lucky you've never grenaded a flywheel never uh done any catastrophic damage to that engine case no wow no that's a testament to a good engine builder no it's tough, <laughs> it's tough. i mean know. you've got to be and especially with that motor because you're squeezing the daylights out of that thing right because yeah. of the displacement the to worst, push it as hard as you are the worst that's happened to that motor is i've dropped valves and that's a head issue more and than that, else. yeah that's the valve issue yep broken at the keeper groove you know and uh johnny loves that harbor freight yeah. jack i see every time he looks at me he's like thanks for bringing the harbor freight jack bill so <laughs> quick advertisement there <laughs> that's it harbor freight go get yourself some jacks yeah so <laughs> you, you walk away with the handle in your hand <laughs> it's a two-piece it's a two-piece yeah. jack <laughs> yeah yeah you know. so yeah uh you know other than that you know that was the, the worst you know so obviously you know it hurt some pistons cylinders things like that you know but the the bottom end itself so a new solid. motor you're running a kd9 and the new motor too yeah you FK just like that cam yeah i just ran a fkd9 and you know the berg 14 rockers what do you re um, what do you rev that motor to uh, this one right now, uh, I'll leave the line. Yeah, yeah, probably about 8,600. 8,600 RPM? Yeah, yeah. Wow. That's a that's a lot of RPM. Not like my old motor. What was your other motor leaving at? With the tie valves and no limiter? Yeah. A little over 10 grand. No way. Yeah. Yeah, it was 9, 10 grand every time. And you've never motor. blown the case out? No. That's incredible. Yeah. So... I mean, yeah. I wouldn't even think you could rev a, a mag case up to ten grand, but yeah. I guess, I guess John Sugar says yeah, you can. <laughs> good crank in there and good rods. And well, really, that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, yeah. if the, if you've got yeah. the quality parts, they're going to be within where they need to be, so that they're mm -hmm. not going to be, they're yeah. not going to be blowing out and doing that stuff. I mean, yeah. I'm, I, I'm hugely impressed. And so now you you've brought the RPM down. What different? You feel the substantial difference in the motor, like in the grunt bottom end grunt. Oh, with this big motor, without yeah. a doubt. Oh yeah, without a doubt. How, does, yeah. how do you like yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's been what I'm waiting for for years, and knowing if, that I needed to put a bigger motor in because with the small motor, I could download the graphs, the RPM graphs, and I'd go from that, you know, high eight, nine thousand RPM launch, and watch that thing just drop like a rock, and, what and would, actually pulled it off the cam. It, it dropped to like 4,500. So, you know, I was losing power right off the line immediately because I was off the cam. And so now with the new motor, so what, so what RPM are you dropping to when you're, because you're leaving at a lower RPM of 8,900. Yeah. Now I can, now I, now I actually play with it a little bit, you know, so I can vary a few hundred RPM here or there, depending upon track conditions and so forth. So, you know, it's probably roughly, probably around seven, 7,500. Oh, wow. So you're right in the power band still. and it just goes. Yeah. Yeah. What What do you think the big motor would run quarter mile? Well, we still are fine tuning it, mm -hmm. uh, but I ran a 715 at Irwindale at 94 miles an hour. What uh, should a 715? If, you, if you're if keeping you the trajectory, that, uh, it should run a le like uh, low 1130s, low mid 1130s in the quarter. Wow. And with the weight of the car, it probably calculates out around 250 horse, somewhere around there. And with the new with the new displacement, the aluminum case, all that stuff, does it? Uh, 
how long do you, do you think you'll go extended times without having to tear it down? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the whole plan of the big motor as well, because now I can use the Chevy bearing, the good Clevite coated now triple you, back bearing. And now, you were around back in so, the day when they were doing the SBG cranks, right? I don't recall much but of that But you stuff. never yeah. did any no, SBG no, cranks? No, no, no. no. Yeah, because you know, I, I understood those were all the rage, and from a philosophy of like looking at a solid rod with no yeah. bolts holding it together, that yeah, would seem yeah. like a better deal, but yeah. they had their 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 flaws in them as well so yeah. yeah from a rod standpoint i always just stick and put corillos in and what the bullet what heads are you running on the new motor well uh yeah taking a step back there too when i was out for those few years and in, in needed parts um the heads that were on my small motor mm -hmm. had been welded on so many times clyde had done a masterful job keeping those things you know and those together. were stock cast heads. Stock cast big heads. Valves. They were originally welded big valves. But, you know, it got to a point, you know, and fly cut a number of times and stuff, and he'd weld up in the chambers and stuff. These things were, you know, getting kind of soft. And there was one point in time where the heads were so soft that I was pulling the rocker block out of the head. Oh, wow. And so Clyde took and welded the rocker blocks back in, but then he went an extra step and took a half-inch aluminum plate and basically set it inside the the rocker area yeah. valve area and then recut pockets for the valve springs and cut out you know and set it down and welded around the rocker blocks so the heads are now almost twice the weight of a regular vw head holy cow so anyway i had those and and uh mike lawless um he was going to get another set of heads he had these comp eliminators and he was going to get another set of heads and he had these bare ones just laying around yeah and so he offered them to me and so I said, sure, you know, I'll take them. You know, they had some minor little cracks in the intake uh, seat area, but nothing big for me. Right. I didn't really, you know, care. And so I did those and just loaded it up with hardware. And uh, that's what I had on my small motor. And that's what I moved over to my big motor. And I put my old heads back on my small motor. So, so now I have two complete motors. So the, the heads on the new motor are the comp eliminator heads. Yeah, with some big valves, bigger than I need on this. Really. So what valve size 48 you 4840s, I think. 4840s? Yeah, I think they're 4840s, if I recall right. Jeez. They're huge. That's they're way too big for what I need. Yeah, right, they you know, be... But he had a turbo, so, yeah, you know. Get it in there, right? Wow. That's uh, yeah. that's that's quite yeah. massive. And then uh, you, notice a big, you notice a bigger difference with performance. I mean, your motor, you're running no shroud and that stuff. You're running yeah. just the squirrel cage, all that stuff. Are you noticing any, any temp differences going with the bigger motor? Is it running no. cooler at all? It's the same. Not really any different. No. So everything's pretty much standard. Not the that same. I've noticed, no. Yeah. That's, uh, that's awesome. And then as far as transaxles, you've oh, had yeah. that car for a long time. You had that car with a bird five speed in it. Uh, yeah, I originally for quite a few years had the type one box mm -hmm. and then, you know, me being me and making sure I'm prepared and when I go to a race, I'd be swapping ring and pinions every race or two just really? to make sure they were, they were healthy. And you, you know? were swapping your ring and pinions? Yeah, yeah I do them all. Good yeah. grief. You do yeah. everything. Yeah, it was nuts. It was nuts. I don't know how I did it back then, but you know, and then, and I had my eye on, you know, the Fultz kit, the axle kit and a bus box. But I, again, it was one of those situations where I really couldn't afford it. Well, I finally got to a point where, you know, sold type one stuff, sold the axles and bit the bullet, put a bus box in it with the Foltz kit. And uh, I tell you, out of sight, out of mind. Really? It's such a peaceful feeling when you're up the starting line. You don't have to freaking worry about it. It's amazing. You know, the, the, so now you're only the only real issues you're going to have now are going to be uh clutch you'll have more clutch issues than you will have trans issues yeah, i mean I if mean, you're if you're going to have issues yeah i mean it's so it's you rock just solid. you just move the weak point out of the transaxle yeah, now so that's one solid. thing you have to worry about less because yeah. that yeah. seems to be the way that everybody goes in the drag racing circuit right when i talked to scott kelly in my podcast and he says yeah. you know when he switched to a bus box yeah he was now counting seasons instead oh, of races a oh absolutely <laughs> i mean the you know, the box that's in my car right now, the yeah. four-speed box that's in my car right now is the one that I ran back in the PRA days. Really? Yeah. Same ring and pinion. It's the original ring and pinion. Wow. And that's and that's bus box that's in there yep. now. Yep. So it's the bus box with the the U-joint conversion? Yep. yep. And Dave that, yep. you still run swing axle yep. trailing arms? Yes. So it's still, it's essentially IRS. Because it's the same way that my Corvair is. My Corvair has dual U-joints in it. 
on a rear on a with a short drive shaft between the two is that oh the not same? dual no it's just got the u-joints right at the tranny mm -hmm. and then it's all swing axle from there oh really yeah so it's not yeah, a dual it's not a dual it's just got a u-joint no. going there yep. wow yep and those have been proven pretty reliable huh yeah they're the original ones wow two <laughs> and what's a guy get if a guy wants to build a trans like that what's a trans like that going to cost somebody six thousand bucks I, I don't know nowadays you build them on us yeah you've been doing them yourself I just doing myself you know because be nice. you know it's, it's for me you know knowing for me because if i know how to do it myself if i'm at the track and i have some issues i know what to do right I, you know obviously i may not have the equipment or machining or whatever i need at the track but at least i know what's going on and i can i can you know yeah with with now having your car kind of dialed in running this with this group here how how have you been consistency wise running in this group have you won any of these oh yeah how many of these races have you won uh three yeah i want to say three and you run in a triple index class or you yeah yeah it was triple index back then yeah and now it, it's super index here starting this year and so you're dialing here is what uh probably 730s so 730s and then these this this event pays pretty good yeah as far as which is also huge yeah. for racers as well because you put all that time effort and energy to it and to yeah. walk away with and travel for some of us yeah that's that's a that's a distance to go but i think it's yeah. it's another one of the reasons that makes it so so fun because there's really a worthwhile i mean there's oh yeah a there's a pot of, pot of gold potential at the end <laughs> so to speak you know i mean yeah. it's, it helps without so, a doubt how long do you think you'll be racing for? You know, I don't know. Yeah. I honestly don't know. As long as my body is able, yeah. I think. You know, um, you know, my wife and I talk about that quite a bit in the last couple of years. Uh, you know, especially when I was him hawing around about buying an enclosed trailer. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, it's just a lot of money. You know, I just, I don't want to do that. You know, but then, you know, I worry about the car and stuff and traveling to long events. And so she says, hey. You know, you only live once. Let's just do it. You know, she says, you want me to make the phone call? How can you argue with that, right? You can't. You know, so. God bless her. Yeah. So as long as her and I and, you know, the family are are good and we still enjoy it. And, That's, we, you know, being around family like this is, you know. Yeah. It's, 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 it's awesome. And it's and pretty so, much it's pretty much a year round thing almost. I mean, with the, yeah. with the races, you know, there's yeah. a. They start, they start in January, and they have me here. We are in June, Yeah, right? I mean, for me, it's really from March to October. Yeah. You know, um, this year is going to be quite a few events I'm trying. Yeah. And different ones. Um, and who? And there's really nobody else doing. I mean, they're, they're, they're trying to do a little real street stuff down there, but mm -hmm. you don't run real street class. It's no. not. No. That's not your thing. And then the, the ones that you run, like, so the, the ones for us novice guys that aren't really into it, when at Bugarama, what, or not bug around, but uh, bug in. What do they run? And it's just their own. I'm running Pro Eliminator. So you in run class, Pro You know, there. they've got the trophies, trophy class, Pro Eliminator, Real Street, Outlaw Turbo, I think. You know, but you know, for me, I just run Pro Eliminator. And Pro Eliminator, that's an index class. Uh, no bracket. That's bracket. Pure bracket. Yeah. Okay. So you and with you being pretty consistent, you're a hard guy to beat over there. You're the you're the guy everybody wants to take uh, out. I don't know. <laughs> That, but, you're the guy like oh you know. he showed up here's mr consistent dad ah, dang it well that's i mean that's awesome i you know i i love the fact that you know like your thing is drag racing like that's your thing you yeah. come here you drag race you're not a full-blown pro turbo car you're a consistent it's my release yeah and i think it's i think it's awesome i mean it's uh you know the you're running a berg five speed for a while I mean, oh, for a long time. For quite yeah. a few years. And I might put it back in, too. Even though we might be eighth mile on most tracks, you know, we'll probably put it back in. When you run 1190 index, did you have because you don't have a fan trot on there now. Were you running a fan trot 1190 no. index? No. So you've always been like a free up that little bit of horsepower and just oh, yeah. cool yeah, the car yeah. down. Yeah. Well, I need that in some, you know, for some tracks like Phoenix, you know, yeah. and that small motor that I was running, you know, it, it presented a challenge at times in certain conditions to be able to run 1190. Yeah. So even at the last well event. yeah if you're leaving at 10,000 rpm i don't know how your fan's gonna hold up yeah uh, no <laughs> no <laughs> a regular cooling fan <laughs> yeah that's not that's not staying together man well I, yeah who's been if you want to give some thanks to some people that have been 
in your corner this whole time, who are some people oh, you'd like to thank? With, for? Without a doubt, you know, the folk, all the team at Berg Enterprises, yeah. you know, and, and Doug Berg. You know, I learned so much from Gary in the Super Street days, uh, kind of helping him for a couple of years and hanging around the shop and just really understanding what it takes to run a heads-up class. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Gene, D. You know, the whole team there, Gene Bergs. And you, you spent know. a bunch of time with Gene. I mean, back in the day, did you spend yeah. a fair amount of time with him? Yeah, a fair amount. When you, fair but, amount, sure. And you're there on off hours type thing? Like, were they? At times, yeah. So yeah. they, like, you had a relationship with them where you'd, they'd give you a hand and you doing some of the stuff. And they'd help yeah. you kind of get stuff tuned yeah. and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. You know, and, you know, I mean, geez, you know, some of the nights there, you know, we'd be out there with Gary and, you know, they'd be on the dyno, motor on the dyno, and Gene would be back there. And it'd be late nights, yeah. but you, it wouldn't feel like a late night because that man could really keep you entertained. He would really? be cracking jokes and having you on the floor all night long. Really? You know, I, I really miss those days, you know, really, really something. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that's one of those things where, unfortunately, he, he left a little too soon. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. Uh, I, I, the only interaction I ever had with Gene Berg is I was selling a set of DCNFs at Pomona Swap Meet, and he was buying them from me. And I was like, I just sold Gene Berg some carburetors. <laughs> that was like that was yeah. my that was my claim to fame. So it was, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, he I I have a motor in one of my cars that's a Berg motor. Uh, all the receipts came from Gene Berg. It was it was it was and a thing that I bought. The guy says, Yeah, it's a brand new engine. I'm like, how big is it? 1800 cc's. I paid like two grand for it. I'm thinking, what? 1800 cc you're getting for two grand well yeah he gives me all the receipts for all the engine parts uh, in 1988 yeah that were two grand which was a lot more than it is today yep. in 1988 yep. and uh i was shocked to find out this motor that i picked up and it's all it was everything berg the gold pulley the berg linkage the heads are stamped ported by clyde berg uh, -huh. uh everything and I'm trying to get other people to love these DCNFs with me, but people are wanting to fight me on the DCNFs. What? Yeah. What? You, you on the street? Did you like DCNFs on the street oh, yeah. as a carburetor? Oh yeah. I mean, there are no yeah. nothing replaces a 48 for all out oh, just and the, feeling and the sound power. and the right. sound. Yeah. Right. But the DCNF uh, gets a bad rap. Yeah. And I think it's a uh, great carb. I know Berg, yeah. Berg loved them enough to buy them for me when he yeah. saw them on my oh, when, yeah. I, when I had them in yeah. my deal. Yeah. The specials. Yeah, so yeah. and I actually have two sets yeah. of specials now with yep. all that stuff, and so I'm, uh, you know, it's in one of my '80s cars, and, I, and I'm excited to, to. I like driving it. I got an old school glass pack on there, and it's real raspy and loud, but it's it's a fun car yeah. to drive. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, thanking them, you know, really, you know, and and, and Doug over the recent years, my yeah. God, you know, the commitment that he's had to me and my family in this racing program is you know, just. Yeah, you, Doug, you, you Doug and D. I it. see them every time. You know, every time I do one of these events unreal. way up north, there, there they are. It's just unreal <laughs> what he what he has done for me. You know, and I can't thank him enough as well. You know, and Clyde, for all the years working on the cylinder heads, John Schwears helping me get back out here. You know, yeah. really, and you know, of course, my wife, family. You know, if they weren't in on this and they weren't enjoying this, I wouldn't. I wasn't going to do it. Yeah, and. Uh, that's one of the things throughout the years. We've met a lot of nice people traveling the PRA circuit, families and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's been really great. Really. Any of your kids uh, are into into the racing with you? Uh, uh, my my stepson, uh, he's got a, a, a GTI oh, yeah. that he runs when we were down in Irwindale and stuff. And he actually brought it up here. You know, or yeah, Actually, no, he ran his Passat, I think up in uh, Samoa but yeah no he's into it what has um, he ever driven the he's blue got car? a six no no <laughs> he's got a 65 uh in his garage oh yeah uh yeah that we're working on we've got some motor parts in the garage and stuff that we'll be working on at some point in time but you know he's got you know family and other commitments yeah so it's been it's been tough it's always it's always a balance but it's yeah. it's so fun when you can kind of pass that on to family yeah. and I mean my sons are my sons are car guys yeah. and and they and if they if if I could snag them and bring them with me, they'd be with me today, you know. Yeah. But uh, I think it's um, it's just such a it's just such a fun a fun hobby that you can extend to your extended yeah. family, and if they get enjoyment out of it, uh, yeah. even better. Because sometimes you know we start in this wacky hobby just because there's something weird about this car that we like, and it's this yep. 
It's this yeah. goofy underdog yeah. car that everybody likes. <laughs> the it's sleeper. Like, it's like the victory story, right? Yeah. Everybody likes to be like, yeah, don't second guess the bug because the bug will surprise you. you know? Oh, yeah. You know, look what Anthony Hearns did with the uh, oh, yeah. stuff down in Irwindale. Yeah. yeah. No, there's, He's making us proud, man. Yeah, the, and, that's, and that's the thing. Now, were you, did you ever get any involvement in the uh, import drag racing back in those days? Or were you not there uh, when, no, when I really, was doing the I, import I, drags? Well, I went to one event. And boy, that wasn't it wasn't very uh, <laughs> very good. I think we got one round in, oh, really? and just delay after delay. And this was at Pomona, and we just packed it up. Yeah, and we, we were done. Um, I did another uh, import race that Jerry Spurn put on mm -hmm. uh, at uh, Whitman one year. Yeah, you know, oh boy, was that a challenge too? Because you know, Whitman they had the motocross track there. Yeah. and the wind was coming up and so it blew all Dusting over the track and you just and see the track was just all brown and gray and you know the wind and everything so they cut it down to eighth mile and uh ended up going against in the final against a honda and uh it was i probably shouldn't have ran what i did uh doug came back and said i've never seen a car show both of his doors from straight behind as i did on that oh wow yeah, it was crazy. A little loose could, on the track. And you could see the tracks, you know, because of all the dirt stuff. It was, it was kind of stupid what I did, but ended up winning, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Sometimes you can't, yeah. you can't temper yeah. the, pa the passion to do it. So, yeah. Well, John, I definitely appreciate you sitting down. I'm glad we got to chat Thank you. and kind of get your story and, and your, your history of uh, what you've been doing. Because, you, you know, you're one of the staples that's out here all the time, just consistently out here mm -hmm. uh, showing up and... Uh, Yep. And making people work hard yep. to well, try to and, be and helping too. Yeah, know, whenever anybody needs something, you know, we try to help and do the best we can. I appreciate the tie wire that you loaned yep. me from oh. my uh, app, my <laughs> oh, you got it over here. So you got it. We've done everything from welding to gaskets <laughs> to you know, you name it. That's it. You know, so that's good. Well, Thank hey, you. Great, great having you on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you like that podcast, and I'm sure you did, make sure you share it with all your friends. Click on whatever app that you're listening to and share it with all your VW buddies. We love when our listeners help grow the podcast. Also, don't forget October 6th and 7th, go to letstalkdubs.com right now. Register, get your room situated because they will sell out. It's off to a great start. Got tons of pre-registration for this event this year, and you don't want to miss it. Starts off Friday night with the Ultimate Strip Cruise, Saturday morning with the car show with the top 20 and the best of show the world-famous poker run that happens Saturday night. So you don't want to miss that. Get your chance to win $1,500 in cash or $300 or $200. But I'm giving away $2,000 in cash, and we might find out a way to give away some more cash. So that I'm looking forward to. Make sure you go to letstalkdubs.com and register today. Also, if you want to support the podcast, go to letstalkdubs.com and click on the merch tab. Go to the store, pick up some merch, support your boy for bringing you some of the best VW content available today. I hope you guys like what you learned about John Sugar. Other than that, I'm excited. I'll get this car piece back together. I'll make it home. Things will be okay. Don't worry about me. You guys enjoy the rest of your Friday. And until next week, later. You probably don't know that there's a new Volkswagen out that doesn't look like a Volkswagen.